Good morning, everyone. I hope this doesn't happen like last week or the week before with Safisa, where the mics, all of them, just decided to die. So, okay, okay. I'm not very good at charades, Jason, so you're going to have to shout out to me. I want to say it's actually, wow, it actually feels like I haven't been, like this is the first time I'm preaching because having been in Australia for a month and a bit and then coming back and working with the team, Charlotte brought an awesome message. I'm going to follow on from that. Two weeks ago, Safisa shared, uh, shared last week and in fact has been asked to share in Durban today at one of the central churches the same message. And God is doing great things with this small community. Um, on, on Monday nights when we see the Alpha course, I, as I, I might have said last week, I'm absolutely blown away by the number of people in this community, in this church, who are stuck in and getting involved in saving people's lives. You guys are a blessing, absolute blessing. Yeah, let's, that's to you guys. And thank you, Jesus. And then also, we're going to post the photos of, the, of yesterday's projects on, our, on the church's Facebook page. Um, but thank you guys, every single one of you, for the work that you've done in the community. I don't think that, you, you know, you can stand up and talk for an hour to someone. Uh, but let me tell you what, you, work for, you do something for five minutes, actually. And you've said a whole lot just in doing that. Amen. Right, if I don't lose my place and if I manage to get through this in time because we've got baptisms this morning. How many people are being baptized? Are they all here? Hands up, please. One, two, three. Three. I know you guys have been waiting because every week the weather's been so bad. I keep saying, let's do it next week. Let's do it next week. Looks like we're going to be okay. All right, so I want to just follow on. There's the... The title for this morning, Defending Freedom. So if we take from what Charlotte was sharing about with the Word of God bringing freedom on the first week, and the second week, Safisa shared about deliverance for, in, in order to receive freedom. So we can, we, can be, we can read the Word of God and be saved, but we may, we may not walk in the freedom that God has spoken about in His Word, unless we get a grip on and the application of what that means. And today I'm going to talk about, so Sophisa talked about how, what we should do to um, receive deliverance in order to receive freedom. And today I'm going to talk about how you defend that freedom when you've got it. And it's, it's a very interesting topic I got into, by the way, a lot of this information comes from uh, Steve Furtick, the base information, but it was such a good topic, I thought, man, this has got to be shared because it follows on directly from what uh, Safisa and Charlotte have shared. I'll, I'm going to start with a question before I get into scripture, and it, it'll sort of give an introduction of where I'm going today. How many people in the room just by a show of hands, have played sport, either at school or after school. Uh, that's most of the, that's a lot of the all, eh? Yeah. What happened? <laughs> the Springboks, they need you. I was laughing at Dale at, uh, during worship. He still came up with his Springboks 
rugby uh, jersey on. Someone should share the news with him about yesterday's <laughs> score. <laughs> the one thing, and the other thing that I'm going to use as a comparison is housework. So in sport, I, I played a lot of sport after school in the army and following that in, in various leagues in rugby. And as I was looking at this, I did, Verity. What are you laughing about? <laughs> um, while I was looking at this, I actually, you know, like Verity, I giggled. And that can imagine me playing rugby. But um, the one thing about playing any sport, whether it's netball, rugby, baseball, whatever the case may be, you run and you work as a team and you strive and you strive and you strive and bam, you put the ball down and you've got to try. And the crowd goes crazy. Guess where you're going straight off to that try? Back to the, back to the halfway line. <laughs> you've got to do that again. And you do it again. Get back to the halfway line. You've got to do it again. And so a sport is a cycle. Most sports, I suppose chess might not be. But sport generally is a cycle of new beginnings and you've got to, I mean, I remember when I was playing rugby, it was forget where we are now, let's focus on where we're going. Forget we scored a try, focus on the next one. So it was always that mindset. And then one that is far more applicable to me these days, how many do housework uh, in the room? Just a show of hands. More people than play, <laughs> more people than play sports. I do housework. You won't believe this, but I actually do, because Verity works and I, I lie in bed late and get coffee served to me or whatever. I do, I clean the house and especially when we had our eight bedroom house, um, that was my job and literally it took me the day. So I'd vacuum and mop and clean and windows and, and I'd almost, I'd get it to the point where I thought I'm actually going to lock the doors and not let anyone in. Because tomorrow I'm going to have to go through the exact same thing again. And I think that and ironing must be the two worst things. Um, although Theo will disagree with me. You love ironing, hey, Theo? Theo does the ironing in their house. So he said if there's anyone in his ironing done, we can just get the address from him. <laughs> but do get the picture. No, you never finish the job. It's never finished. As long as you're alive or live in that house, that job will have to be done. Ongoing. Now I want to actually talk about um, how do we live strong in the Lord with freedom. I'm going to turn to our first reading, which we should actually have on, on the board. The words, 2 Samuel 21.15. And when I studied this, is there any way we can make the back picture go away? Is it readable? By the way, good morning everyone online. Sorry, I'm not rude. I just haven't done this for a while, but welcome to our service. We're actually halfway through it, but, but welcome anyway. I want you to feel welcome. 2 Samuel 21.15. Now, I didn't know this because I'd never taken the time to read this. And when this was highlighted to me, I was astounded by it because it was information I'd never read before. It's about Daniel. It's about the young shepherd boy who was, what did I say? 
Uh, not Daniel, David, Daniel's brother. <laughs> Sorry, I meant David, who was the young, the young shepherd boy who throwing things around, killing giants, bringing them down. Um, so 21, 15 to 17, 2 Samuel 21, 15 to 17. And this first few, four words caught me straight away. War broke out again. Now they had had war. They'd come into the, the land. They had taken control. It was now Israel. And they were settled. And guess what happened? War broke out again. And between the Philistines. But I thought we, uh, Israel had wiped out the Philistines. Goliath. No, war broke out again between the Philistines and Israel. David and his men went down to fight. Now David had obviously not done this for a while because he dressed up like he was the you're going to go with this thing. And during the battle, David became exhausted. Ishbi Benob, who was, a, who was a descendant from Rapha. So they actually, the reference to this is the son of uh, Goliath. This was actually Goliath's son. So he had a personal vendetta against Israel. With a spear weighing nearly 80 pounds, I think, if I'm not wrong, Goliath was 30. So he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's still growing up, this guy. And outfitted in a brand new armor and announced, he made an announcement that he would kill David. But Abishai, son of Zeruah, I know it sounds like I'm speaking uh, Falcon, Vulcan, whatever it's called came to the rescue, struck the Philistine and killed him. And then David's men swore to him, no more fighting on the front lines for you. Don't snuff out the lamp of Israel. And then the next, sent, the next sentence starts, and then war broke out again. And another son of Goliath came and it, David's men took him out. And then war broke out again. And it goes on, and there were five following wars there were f that the Bible just brings. It probably happened. There was t time in between, but the Bible just refers to them one after the other. And war broke out again, and war broke out again, and war broke out again. Every time Israel won. <clears throat> at, the first, at the first instance, David was too old to do it anymore. And his men realized that, and they said, you're not going, you sit here, you can over oversee the battle. We're fighting, and every time they beat uh, the Philistines. So what we can see from David's life, just gonna, I'm just using this as an intro, is this continual attack, rest. Attack, rest. Onslaught, rest, peace. Onslaught, rest, peace. And um, we need to understand, I think, we need to bring this home to modern-day Christianity, to our lives, to the experience we have in Jesus Christ, because we're of the same kingdom uh, that Jesus was. We belong to his kingdom. We're not of this world, as he said. We're, 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 he's a king, but not of this world. So are we. We are, we are residents. We are subjects of a, of a kingdom, but not of this world. And so the same principles apply to us as you would find applying throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, to the people of God.
So as Christians, many people are either non-informed, make their own assumptions in this regard, or clearly don't, don't care, is that our lives as Christians will be filled with times of peace, times of war, times of peace, times of war. It is the pattern that we, we see throughout, throughout creation continually. And especially where if you consider that we live in on a planet which is ruled um, by the prince of, of the air, as the Bible said it. So people will often say or think to themselves, um, I've overcome drinking in my life. It's done. Thrown it away. And there will be a time when, it, when it's, it is so. Something will happen, pressure comes, or whatever the case may be, and I need to escape. I need escapism and end up going back to the bottle and having a few sips, and that leads on and on. That is not that person's fault. That is because that's how the devil operates. You have been set free. We are all set free. But the war's not over. We've got to defend that freedom against the evil one. Anyone hear me? Agree? Um, it's also, and, and I was going to say, it's also very painful on occasions. Um, as seen in the ministry of Jesus, he also makes reference to this. Listen to this. <clears throat> this is exactly what I'm talking about this morning. This is, what, this is the words of Jesus. Luke 11, 24. I don't know. I can't remember if I... There we go. When an, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, so the person is released, delivered, as Safisa called it, set free. It goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. And then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house swept, clean, and put in order. Now, the fact that Jesus says this house was swept, it was clean, and it was in order, speaks to me about this person had embraced the gospel, Jesus Christ as the Son of God. He had cleaned up his life. He was walking the straight and narrow. But guess what happened? The, um, he, he had no, in fact, Jesus goes on to say, uh, talks about strong men. But this house was, was open. The doors were open. The windows were open. Although it was all those things, no one had cl uh, closed or shut the doors. And then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Just, a, just an indication from Jesus that that's, typic, that's the type of thing that would happen. I just feel like I'm losing half my head here as this thing falls off. So going back to David, David was very successful in his wars. But this is the one thing that he didn't quite grasp at first, but he did get. Well, should I say his men got at, 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 during the first battle. Old strategies, old plans don't necessarily work forever going forward. You've got to be able to adapt and flow and move as the Spirit of God is leading us. We can't say, well, that's how we did it 20 years ago, so that's how we're going to do it today. Well, have you asked God? 
is there a different is there a different way of doing things that he wants us to do does he want holiness in our lives as opposed to just talking about salvation does do we do we have to get into an an active act of sanctification or do we sit back and say god well i've given you my life so i'll sit here till you move me or you'd work in me and and whatever it may be or even worse i give god my life and then i after a year and a half i'm doing my own thing anyway and uh so the old strategy, God has been speaking to this church, Stu, for two and a half years that I recall, from the time of just before COVID, right through COVID, coming back into the hall. Every Tuesday night when we pray, there's something that's come up. And I, I, I've been going through, I've, Stuart has been diligent in making sure I get every, of those, every one of those words printed. And he said, the season's changing. Times are changing. Things are changing. The boat's not the boat you thought it is or thought it was. It's not a rowboat. It's a battleship. You've been, you've been rowing it like it's a rowing boat, but it's very difficult to move a battleship with oars. And then Tim, uh, probably just before I went to Australia, he did a preach. He did a preach on the tree being shaken. By God shaking the tree. But to such an extent that there is nothing left except that which is eternal. And for me, that is what God wants from not only a city of Tati, but every single one of his, his churches, every single one of his people. The foundation is Jesus Christ. If you've built on anything else in your life, in any way, you're going to get shaken you're going to get pushed over by the floods. You're going to be grabbing at straws and roots and whatever the case may be. And I was saying to Robert this morning, I've said it a couple of times. I said it to Tim as well. I might have actually said it, yeah, even possible. Um, we have to be very careful in, in, in our lives as Christians that we don't get so busy um, with the work of the Lord that we lose the Lord of the work. You understand? So what I'm saying is it's fantastic to have these outreach programs. But why? Because of God. Because of Jesus. Because we're sharing his love abroad. Because of the power he, he allows us to share in by bringing it through us. By visually, not just talking the talk, by, by walking the walk. And... Um, so I think God wants his church back where it isn't. I'm not saying the church isn't his. I'm not saying the other churches aren't his. I'm saying he's going to shake. And there are going to be areas which fall off. Praise God. Let them fall off. If, they, if, they, if we're doing things for our own sake, take them away. Father, we want to be left with your solid foundation in Jesus. And from that point on, we can build with him leading. Building doing whatever we need to be doing. Second question I want to raise, and we, yeah, I haven't forgotten baptism for those who are being baptized. The second point I want to raise is this. Who is your Abishai? Do you remember Abishai was the guy when David was weary on the first battle and he was tired? Abishai came up and killed uh, the son of, of Goliath. God has given each of us in our lives Abishai's. 
people who stand with us, people who are there for us, people whose sole purpose is to see you succeed and see me succeed. And so the question this morning, if you had to quickly think, just do a stock for yourself in your, in your chair silently. Can you say, I know who my Abishai is? I've got one. I know who that person is, and I love them and appreciate them, and I do the same for them. Do we understand that we will, okay, do we understand that we will also get old and weary? I remember, (laughs) literally, I remember running the youth in 1988-89. Yeah, and I could do everything, these guys. I'd just come out of the army. And so they love to do active, active sport. And I could keep up with them with everything. In fact, a lot of the time I would set, set things for them to do. I'll tell you what, if they had to come now, well, they'd be just as old as me, so that's fine. But if the youth, <laughs> the youth haven't stayed. If the youth came now and said to me, Colin, let's run up the stairs. I'd say, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me watch you run up the stairs. I'll gently walk up till I'm at the top and I'll meet you up top there. So do we also understand, even as solid, solid, solid Christians, that we're getting old? Why is that important? Because the older we get, the more set in our ways we get. You can't do that. You can't afford to do that in a dynamic kingdom with a dynamic God. You can't say, since I went to Sunday school in 1965, this is how this runs. We're old, some of us. Some of us are very young. And praise God, you've got, you're in such a blessed place because you've got so much time and space in God. To, to grow and to move and just let him take you where you're going to do. And then the last point I want to make on this is if we do know our Abishai, do we push him away? I don't need anyone, but I don't need your help. I'm independent. Me and God. Me and Jesus. That's all I need. I don't need people around me. Since I was whenever I've decided that I'm the only one I can trust and therefore I will look after myself. Let me tell you what, that's, that's completely unbiblical in every sense. And if that's your mindset, join a good Bible study group. Go and find out, pray to God because Jesus himself, when he sent out his disciples for the first time, He didn't say to each of them, okay, you guys, each go your own way and go and do your thing. He sent them out with an Abishai. Each guy had an Abishai. Later on in the word, Paul talks about one string will will easily break, but two wrapped together is, is much, much harder. And three is unbreakable. Those are not just nice words and utter logic. We're going fishing. And I can see this is really hitting home to some people right now. I can actually see the Holy Spirit touching people's hearts right now. Good. Let him prompt you. Let him prompt you. He's not here to condemn anyone. But he's here to stir you up to think about this. Do we push the people he has put next to us away from us? Are we prepared to be allow them to speak into our lives? That doesn't also mean that I need 40 guys around me and I'm going to 
do everything that every one of them says. I'm talking about the one or the two people. Last point. We're going to finish on time today. Last point. David's men said to him, no more fighting on the front lines for you. Don't snuff out the lamp of Israel. So his men stood in the gap for David. Where was the lamp? The lamp was in David. They did not want David to fall. So what did they do? They, they protected him and stood in the gap between the Philistines and, and David. For what reason? So that the lamp of Israel wasn't snuffed out. So closing question. If we have to ask this. Who is the light of our lives? Well, John eight twelve. Um, I, I did, because I don't think I've got the words there. I think it's before Revelation, just after Genesis. Okay, John 8, 12. Um, this is Jesus speaking, just in case you want a, sp- a scriptural reference. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. This sounds like it's buzzing all of a sudden. Will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we, the answer is actually twofold. Who's the light of the world? Jesus Christ. What has he done with his light? Put it in us. Whoever walks with me uh, will... I want to quote, let me get it right. Um, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So as, G, as we, during salvation and sanctification, etc., and, and baptism and being baptized in the Spirit, Jesus Christ himself, we open our hearts and our lives to him and say, come Lord, take over. So the light of life comes into us. And we need to make sure in our own lives that we're standing in the gap for our spirit, for what Jesus has done, in case the light gets snubbed out. And how easy is that in the world right now? Um, just going to check there's nothing, nothing on the other page. Uh, yeah, I'm going to just quickly read this. So how do we keep the light inside of us from being snubbed out? We, we agree what it is. This is Paul in Ephesians 6.10. And you all know this, but just listen to this again. Listen to understanding that this is a, a repetitive cycle of war against the evil one. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, this is why. Make sure. There's a lot of words you could replace for, you could use in place of therefore. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. So Jesus isn't saying, Paul's not saying, there's no, you're fine, but there's going to be no issues from now on. You're cool. You're in Jesus, everything's resolved. Paul says, 
actively put on the armor, the whole armor. And when you've done everything, stand and stand firm. Praise Jesus. Praise God for what he's done. And thank you, Paul. Thank you for that good word, Paul. Stand, therefore, and, and then he goes through the things, the, the belt and the, and the, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes for, of, of spreading the gospel. I'm just paraphrasing. The shield of faith, flame, um, helmet of salvation. I've found that that piece of armor is, in this day and age, is fundamentally critical. Because most of the war that happens in, in people's lives that I've experienced takes place in the mind first. This is the attacking point. So the, sal- the helmet of salvation for me is one of the first things you put on. Because those lies need to be stopped straight away. And then the last point, pr- and this is still Paul, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And in Col- to, to finish it off, Colossians 4.2, also Paul. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Most of, so we put on this armor, and now what do we do? We stand in. Next point, pray. Pray at all times. Pray in the spirit. Pray for the saints. Pray for the armies around you. And, done, and having done everything, you stand and pray. But at the same time, being watchful. So you're not in this little huddle. No, no, no. You're praying actively. You're looking. You're watching. Because the, the devil is the sneaky little thing that looks for the slightest gap. And manipulates it and takes hold of it. So let's make sure we retain our freedom, which we can only find in Christ, and only through the application of His Word. In other words, we actually have to believe what He says, not just read it. Not a discussion point. We actually have to believe this. This will protect us. This will get us through to the end. This will make sure we are more than conquerors in Him. Amen. Can we just close off with prayer? Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, that you have blessed us with everything pertaining to life and godliness. That you've also given us your spirit of wisdom, Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Jesus, that because of your death, we carry the light that you have in us. Cause us this week to think on and become aware of how we treat that light within us, number one. And number two, how we treat the people you have put next to us. That we don't push them away, but embrace them and encourage and draw in. That we become unified. There was a word this morning in, uh, in the prayer meeting, uni- unity, unified. I think that's what God's talking to us about in this church. Become unified, stand together, watch each other, retain our freedom. Do the things that God has told us to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Do what God has told us to do. And we give you worship because your, your word is not a lie, Father. You're not a man that you should lie. And your word never returns to you without achieving what it was set out to do. So have your way in us. 
Bless us this week, Father, with your presence and your teaching as you go with us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sorry? I can't hear a word you're saying. You're like whispering enough. Who has? Okay. Do you want to grab? Uh... Sorry, I don't normally do this. Um, this morning in the, in the pre-meeting, I had a word, and I, I didn't say anything, but I think that I need to just bring it to you now in, in light of what Colin has said today and Chris said earlier. I really feel that God is saying to us that the time is now. The time is not in two weeks' time. So whatever conviction you have, don't procrastinate. Whatever God is calling you to do, do it. And do it now. Um, Colin said, we need to pray without ceasing. Start praying now. Stop making excuses. If you need to go and see somebody and make right with them, do it now. If you are called to come into worship, do it now. Because I really believe that God is saying to us, the time is now. The urgency is here. We cannot put off any longer. We cannot just keep saying, oh, well, maybe next week. If God is calling you to do something, then do it. And don't say, I'm not ready. Because he's the one that's going to equip you. And he's the one that's going to walk with you and guide you. And I honestly feel an incredible urgency that whatever it is you're called to do, if you are called to give your life to God, do it now. If you are called to be baptized, do it now. We're baptizing today. Even if you haven't given your name, I know that this will be all right with, with, with um, the, elder, the leaders. Do it now. But don't put it off.